Hi friends, welcome to The Trauma Tapes. I'm Dr. MC McDonald, a PhD trauma researcher and life coach. I'm here with my sister, Elizabeth Meadows. Each week we read your letters and give you information and advice about how to understand and demystify your experiences and symptoms so that you can heal without shame. So pull up a chair, grab a coffee, and join us. Welcome to the trauma tapes. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I like your turtleneck. I didn't say that before. <laughs> oh, thank you. This is what I'm going to live in all winter. These turtlenecks. I'll have to send you a couple. Yeah, please. They're cozy. It's cozy fall time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny how the, like the, the seasons carry such like, you know, the changes in the actual temperature are not that big for the most part, but like you go into this whole different wardrobe, you know what I mean? I know. Yeah. You'd like dig things out and it, yeah, it, it feels different. It feels very different, even though you're right. It doesn't change that much. I think I saw a meme the other day that was like 45 in the fall and you're like in a scarf and boots and a sweater and 45 in the spring and you're in like a skirt and a tank top. <laughs> right. Sandals. Right. <laughs> you're right. It's especially true in Boston. We always yeah. start talking about the weather. That's really weird. I know. Okay. So we have a letter this week. Do you want to just jump right in? Yeah. Um, can I say that it was a voice memo? I just did. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> it's a voice memo. So uh, we uh, transcribed it because I, I don't think that we can use people's voices without letting them know. Right. Yes. Know. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, dear trauma tapes, I just listened to one of your podcasts and you said that we can leave a voice memo if writing is too overwhelming. And I would like to write, I like writing long emails, but mentally I just can't keep focused on what I want to say. So this memo is probably going to be all over the place, but I found your podcast when I went on a spiritual journey because I was suicidal again after several years. And okay, I guess I should start with my first question. You talk about trauma and I get it. Trauma is a way for our bodies to protect ourselves. We were in survival mode and our bodies worked perfectly to protect us. And I appreciate that. But my body was broken after the trauma. And now I struggle with depression. I have been diagnosed with bipolar type two, and I've struggled with suicide and been hospitalized many times up until the age of 23 or 24 when I got pregnant with my daughter. I had just gotten released from a psychiatric ward and I still didn't want to live just because I was in a hospital and on the wrong medication. I was still serious about wanting to commit suicide. I was serious about not wanting to be here anymore. And I was living recklessly. And then I got pregnant and I stopped trying to commit suicide, but it didn't mean that my depression was healed. I struggle with depression. Still, I have lots of down days and I have good days. Sometimes it's hard when I'm thirsty just to get up and get a drink of water. And I'm on this journey to understand myself. And I found your podcast because I have trauma. I mean, obviously, I guess I have trauma from my childhood, but I don't understand my trauma. Like I was sexually abused by 11 different men. My first memory of this is when I was two and my uncle brought me into his bedroom, took me out of mine at night and laid me down on his bed. He had this, blad, this plaid brown and blue blanket, and he performed oral sex on me. I remember it laying there thinking, do I pretend to stay asleep? And I have all kinds of stories about the sexual abuse, but those stories don't trigger me. I don't go into panic mode. I have made sex my own. 
I enjoy sex now as an adult because I refuse to let my childhood hold me back from the things that I wanted. But I struggle every day. I guess my biggest question is, if you've worked through your trauma, years and years of therapy, why do I still have bad days? And I just wonder if trauma isn't just about trauma itself. What about trauma and mental illness? How do those two go together and how do they play out? I mean, I don't make up my mental illness. It's a chemical imbalance. One day I can be just fine and go to work and feel normal and happy and nothing particularly happens. My life is good or it was good. There was nothing to put me into a downward spiral where taking a shower was hard. It's just chemical. And I listen to your podcasts and I feel like on the few that I have listened to so far, you have yet to touch on mental illness. And I want to know where mental illness plays into trauma. I need to understand my brain and I understand your explanations of trauma and how during trauma, you have a heightened sense of fight or flight response and the memories are distorted and they are not complete. And so they are not filed away properly. So you can't just go into that filing cabinet and find that file. That file is corrupt. And I get that, but isn't chemical imbalance also real? Can I control chemical imbalance? I try to control my thought process. I tried to put a positive spin and your podcast has helped me stop shaming myself and understand that my body worked perfectly well and the way it was supposed to biologically, my body was protecting me, but the chemical imbalance that's not biologically protecting me now, how do I move past or stop letting the chemical imbalance control my life? I'm on medication again, just got on it a couple of weeks ago. About a month ago, I guess, when I went on this warrior's journey, I went on this journey to try to not want to kill myself anymore and to get control of my thought process and quiet the world because I tend to focus on other people's problems and the world gets loud and I can't necessarily concentrate on my own. And my therapist would give me homework and I couldn't do it because life is life and I was a single mom of two kids. I didn't have time to do assignments and homework. Is chemical imbalance real? And how do you move past chemical imbalance and trauma at the same time? I guess ultimately my question is, what are your thoughts on chemical imbalance? Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you so much for writing in. Um, This is such a great question. We don't talk about chemical imbalance often. I don't think we maybe ever have here. No. Um, So I'm really glad for this question. Do you have any initial thoughts? Um, thank you for the voice memo. It's a very different experience to hear someone's pain and struggle and vulnerability in their voice. So I I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. Totally. And it's, I mean, terrible amount of trauma, which is not the question. So I don't want to dwell on it. Right. But, um, I'm sorry for everything you've gone through. It's horrific. Yeah. I, I think I like, my tendency is to focus on that too. And um, it is, it's not the question. You're right. It's not the question. And it sounds like she's done a a tremendous amount of work. Mm -hmm. And I hope that when you shared or share your story with anyone that you get the space and the um, grace to understand how horrible what happened to you was. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting because I think telling and retelling the story can really take the charge out of it. And I, I think sometimes, you know, when we hear them, it's for the first time, obviously. And so the, all of the sort of weight of it hits at once, but when you tell it and tell it again, I think it loses some of that charge, you know, but right. Telling it to other people, you can sometimes see reflected in their response, just how, you know, as you said, how truly awful the experience was and how um, unjust is the word that comes up for some reason, you know? Yeah. I I mean, it really, you know, not to harp on this, but it it just, it makes me sick to my stomach. It really does. And Mm -hmm. I'm, um, I I just, I, I, I don't understand how this stuff keeps happening. And I'm so sorry that it happened to you. Me too. Okay. Chemical imbalances. Um, yes, they are real and you can actually get them in part because of trauma. So question for you. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one of the reasons we don't usually talk about this is because my specialty is not psychiatry, right? Psychiatrists look at chemical imbalances, um, and then the symptoms those imbalances cause and how to medicate them to sort of correct for the natural imbalance. So I will, I just say that to say that my knowledge here is pretty surface level and we will kind of keep it that way. So Lisa might have questions that I don't have answers to. (laughs) I don't know, but okay. Basically. So let's start with, um, what is a chemical imbalance, right? So your brain has neurotransmitters. Um, so, you know, how we talk about the brain, we talk about, usually we either talk about like a structure like the hippocampus or the amygdala, or we talk about blood, blood flow or, um, electrical circuitry, all of the blood flow and electrical circuitry operates because of neurotransmitters. There's more than 60 types. I think of them as cars. I don't think this metaphor works, but I think of them as like cars on the highway. There's more than 60 types that we currently know about. And there's probably going to be a lot more that we discover. They are little chemical messengers that carry and boost and balance signals between neurons and neurons are information messengers. So they use the electrical impulses and the chemical signals to transmit information between parts of the brain and then between the brain and the nervous system. So the reason you feel anything is because of these little cars and what they carry where. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So you think you have like, you have Priuses and they carry certain things and you have Jettas and they carry certain things and you have, I don't know, Teslas and they (laughs) carry certain wheelers too. Right. Yes. Yeah. And chemical imbalances happen when the brain has either too many or too few of a particular type of neurotransmitter. So here's where the metaphor starts to like fall apart. But imagine if the highway functioned best when there were a certain number of Priuses, a certain number of Teslas and a certain number of 18 wheelers, right? For some reason that balance gets thrown off and you have only, you don't have enough, you have tons of 18 wheelers and not enough Priuses, then it's going to mess up traffic or something. There's a way to make this metaphor work. I just don't know what it is. It's okay. Um, So the neurotransmitters are just their natural chemicals that help the nerve cells to communicate with each other. So a couple of examples of them that you're probably familiar with are dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine. Dopamine is, it plays a role in how we feel, um, pleasure. It's, it's a big part of our 
ability to also think and plan. So it's critical when you're dealing with something like depression. Serotonin um, is a hormone that stabilizes mood um, and helps us to feel like the general feeling of well-being and happiness. It also plays a role in your um, sleep and your digestion. So, and then norepinephrine um, is a stress hormone that increases your heart rate and, and your blood pressure, which also helps us to digest. So you can see even just knowing about these three different chemicals, how an imbalance in those chemicals could immediately make you feel really different, right? So the letter writer talked about like not being able to get out of bed. That's a very common um, symptom of depression or the feeling like they can't kind of make a decision. That's another common um, experience. And it's because of that chemical imbalance. So when you have lower levels of any of these neurotransmitters, this can cause the symptoms that you see in mental illness, right? Does all that make sense so far? Yes, totally. Um, So how do we get chemical imbalances? And here's where research is, in my understanding, very um, still very new. They happen for many reasons. You can get a chemical imbalance from inherited disease. So some of the, we know that some of the mental illnesses are, um, tend to be genetically passed down, right? So schizophrenia, for example, um, is one of them that we know has, has a strong, um, genetic tie. There's lots of theories about other ones. We don't need to go into all that. You can get a chemical imbalance from an injury. You can get a chemical imbalance from aging. You can get a chemical imbalance from chronic stress. You can get a chemical imbalance from poor nutrition. Some chemical imbalances are very easily adjusted to. So for example, um, if you, if you're not moving, if you're not eating right and exercising, you can actually, if you're not eating right, you can actually go into psychosis. Like it can be that severe of a chemical imbalance. So, um, it's, I think we think about chemical imbalances as things you either you have, and they're like, you have it forever, or you don't have a chemical imbalance and you're balanced forever. But I think we're commonly, what's, what's probably much more common is that we're commonly all of us in and out of balance based on what's going on in our life. Right. So people reporting an inability to concentrate over the pandemic could be because of a chemical imbalance due to chronic stress of being under literal threat all the time. And that can be balanced by medication that can be balanced by different things. It, it really depends on what's going on in your individual brain and body. But when people talk about chemical imbalance, they're referring to this imbalance of neurotransmitters and you can, so as, as in that list, right, chronic stress was one of the things that can change the way that your chemicals are in your brain, especially developmental trauma. So not, not this year, but the year before, um, I went to this panel at the international trauma conference about PTSD, basically about the impact of chronic stress on the brain and body. And especially when you're developing and have chronic stress, it changes the entire way that your brain functions. Because if you think about it, right, the the letter writer, I think, is trying to draw a connection between what we typically talk about, fight, flight, and freeze, and her symptoms, which could be because of trauma. They could also be because that there are inherited imbalances that you just sort of naturally have. It could be both. Um, But in this conference, they were talking about the way that developmental trauma, and they were going all the way back to in the womb when your parent has chronic stress 
And that then plays a role in the development of your nervous system. This can change the whole like roadmap of your brain. So it can change how many cars are going to be in the highway, what they do, how fast they go, where they go, what they communicate, all that stuff. So um, that's kind of an infuriating answer because it's not one where like we turn to the medical field a lot for really specific fact. And I think it can be really frustrating to find out that we don't know yet, but the brain is really complicated. Right. And we don't, we don't really know, but to go back to the questions, you, yes, a chemical imbalance is absolutely real. What do you do about them when it comes to trauma? I think this is where the approach needs to be um, sort of multi-leveled, right? You need to be doing psychotherapy. You need to be doing the integration work that you've already been doing. You need to keep an eye on your nutrition and sleep and all of that stuff. You need to keep an eye on the stress that's going on in your current life and then work with doctors uh, with medications to see which medications balance and um, balance the symptoms, which is a good way of indicating that the chemicals have been balanced. Yeah. There, there's some new stuff, newish. Um, you can actually get testing it in a psychiatrist's office where they can tell you what sorts of medication are going to be more likely to help and what are not based on your genetic profile, which is if you haven't had that done, um, I'm going to look up what that is called right now. That would be a great option because it could be the case that you're on um, medications that are designed to fix the imbalance, but they're not working for you. And don't sometimes they stop working or they become less effective or they can? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I think it probably depends on what chemical you're talking about. Right. Um, Cause our brain is always adapting. Right. Um, but the, the testing for um, psychiatric medications is really interesting because you get this. I've actually seen this. It's just called psychiatric genetic testing. You, they'll give you like this printout. I haven't done it myself, but I've seen it with other people. They give you this printout where they, they will list like, so whatever you're, you're presenting with, right? Depression, anxiety, bipolar, right? It seems, sounds like what's going on with the letter writer. They'll look at that and then they'll look at what we typically how we typically medicate, by the way, most of the medications for this kind of stuff have only been around since the seventies. So we're not, we don't have a huge long history of treating uh, mental illness in this way. So it'll look at what we usually use, right. S SSRIs, SNRIs, you know, anti-anxiety medications, whatever. They'll also look at exercise um, and other impacts, nutrition and things like that. And they look at your genes. This, I don't know how this works at all or how they figure this out, but they give you this printout that says, okay, here's the 10 SSRIs that, um, that we typically use for these three, you're more likely to have only side effects and no benefit for this one. You're more likely to have a benefit and less side effects for this one. You're going to have a completely neutral response, meaning nothing will change it's a game changer because you then don't have to spend two and a half years or five years or 10 years playing with medications and trying to figure out what's right. Since we don't really have a way of, of testing which chemicals are in your brain, as far as I understand, and how many, we're just kind of guessing based on how you feel, based on your symptoms. Um, there's no way to be like, okay, this one isn't working after a week. So you have to try it out for six months and see. Right. 
So if you haven't done psychiatric gene genetic testing, um, that might be a good place to start because it could be that you're struggling because you're, the medication that you're on is not the right medication for you. That's a remarkable um, discovery. Mm-hmm. Total game changer, like complete, complete. It's just, it's, it's, I think I was thinking that like, you know, I, I've read a lot of stuff about, so SSRIs are a first line treatment for depression and they have lots of side effects um, and can really change your quality of life for good. And also for not so good. And in the 1970s, when those first came out, I think I'm getting that timeline, right? In the 1970s, when those first came out, they were based on what we knew about the drugs. It was supposed to fix everything. Like depression was not going to be an issue anymore. Mm-hmm. And Bessel van der Kolk actually writes about this. I think in the body keeps the score. SSRIs work wonderfully for a certain percentage of people. Bipolar gets evened out, depression gets evened out, and you're like good to go. But for a big percentage of people, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, they don't work at all. And one of the theories is that it's because if you have depression related to anxiety, or sorry, depression related to, to past trauma, it's going to kind of express itself in your brain differently than if you have it because you've inherited this chemical imbalance. So you have the same chemical imbalance or similar one, but for a completely different reason. And so an SSRI in that case, isn't going to work for you. It doesn't mean you're broken or you have something else that they can't diagnose necessarily. It's just that we need to look more holistically at the individual that we're treating and understand that all of these factors intersect, right? What you are eating affects your mental health. The amount of, of movement you're getting affects your mental health. Like not in a vague way, in a direct way. Right. Sleep is huge. Absolutely. So I think, um, so I was just thinking that like, I I'm kind of excited about the future because I think we're, we're kind of understanding that when someone is presenting with a particular symptom or set of symptoms, it's not about finding the one thing that's going to work for everyone with those symptoms. It's about treating that person where they're at. Right. So if you're taking, this is true for the letter writer, but also anyone, if you're taking psychiatric medications and not feeling better, keep going back, right? And find, find someone to look at everything that's going on in your body and in your life and work with you to a solution. Yeah. There's not a one size fits all approach. And right. It's, um, it's not measurable. You know, you're not trying to shrink a cancer. So right. Exactly. Exactly. You, know, you can't say, okay, this is where we were when we started and this is where we are now. Right. Because you're right. There are so many variables mm-hmm. and that's super frustrating. That's, oh my God. Yeah. You know, you would think the world we live in today with all the advances and everything, mm-hmm. we know that we would know more, but mm-hmm. we don't. And right. you kind of have to do all the things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. And it's, I mean, I've been in that situation. It's really frustrating to not to go to a doctor and and have them be like, well, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Like, what? Right. What do you mean? You're the, you not know. Exactly. Well, then I'm screwed. If you don't know, that's not true, but that's the feeling. Right. Right. Just to, can I use myself as an example? Is that too? uh, Of course. Because I've taken psychiatric medication. So um, I have been diagnosed with panic disorder. 
which means I have panic attacks. I've had them, right? It's different than anxiety, different than generalized anxiety, different than PTSD, all the stuff. And um, for a long time, it was completely out of control. And so I had a doctor who explained, I had tried all the SSRIs. They were making me more anxious, which is a common result of SSRIs when you have anxiety and not depression. Um, And finally, I found a doctor who explained to me that the chemical reaction or the chemical imbalance that happened is in the GABA neurotransmitter. Is that a neurotransmitter? Hold on. Um, Yes, it's a neurotransmitter that's responsible for um, blocking certain nerve signals in the brain. So it it can reduce feelings of anxiety. We all have it naturally. I don't have enough of it. And so I get panic in situations. So panic disorders, when you have panic um, that comes out of absolute nowhere, it's not situational, right? So you're just sitting at work and all of a sudden you get hit like by a train Mm -hmm. with a panic attack and it's purely body right? So you're, you're sitting, you're talking to somebody or you're sitting on the couch or you're at work and your heart rate is all of a sudden 180 and your blood pressure is high and your face is flushed and you're like, holy shit, what's happening? Um, super disruptive. And so for a long time, so he switched me from SSRIs to simple anti-anxiety medication, which are controversial because benzodiazepines are, um, very addictive. If you have panic disorder, you, one of the reasons that, that benzos are addictive is because if you're taking them and you have the normal amount of GABA, you need more and more and more to get the calming effect. If you don't have enough GABA, it simply like supplements what should be there. And you just feel like a normal human. Okay. And so for a really long time, I was on those every single day and I never took a higher dose. I never needed a higher dose because I just have, it was just supplementing the part of that chemical that I don't have in my brain as much of. I Benzos do have long-term effects, especially on your cognition and your memory recall of both of which I need like in particular, cause it's how I like make a living. <laughs> if I can't like remember words, it's a big problem. Um, and so I wanted to go off of them. So what I did in exchange is really seriously up my level of exercise and make sure that I'm on a sleep routine, that I'm getting the right amount of sleep and, you know, really kind of tweak things in my day so that I can feel more calm on a daily basis. Cause none of that was in place before. And I am now only on medication when I get an actual panic attack, which is just a couple times a year, one or two times a year, which is huge. And I notice the, the balance start to shift as soon as I stop like moving it, like if one factor gets out of place, if I'm not exercising enough, cause I have too much work or something, I start to instantly feel the symptom. That's fascinating. But it gives me like, I, I know that I have options, right? So it was a really long road and I tried a thousand things and some of them worked and some of them were terrible. And this is currently what works for me. And it might not always work for me. It might be different at certain times and whatever, but um, it's really empowering to have that much awareness of my own like state of being, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Do you think that, and I know we're just talking about you and every case is different and yeah. you know, there's not a one size fits all, like we said, but do you think the medication allowed you to get to a point where you were able to realize the importance of the other things? I think the medication gave me the, the ability to understand what it feels like to feel like a normal person. 
Okay. So it like, it took the edge off a little bit. Yeah. And then you were able to kind of explore the effects of exercise and, and the other. Yeah. Cause it was like, how can I feel the same without the medication? Is that even possible? And I didn't okay. know if it was. Okay. Um, does that make sense? Like, yeah. So the medication did its job. It, 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 for sure. And if yeah. I, and if I was struggling again, I would 100% without fail go on it. I'd probably do a psychiatric gene test just to see yeah. if there was one thing that was more effective um, than another, but, but yeah, I have no like hesitation about them. They weren't a bad experience. It was just, it's not great to be on benzos long-term. Right. And they were the only thing that worked. So, okay. But again, like this isn't to meant to be psychiatric advice for anybody. This isn't, this is just like anecdotal evidence. This is my experience with that. But I think it was really, it was enlightening to, um, to see how much more control we have over how we feel than we think we do. Right. Cause we think like we are just at the mercy of our emotions and of these chemicals, right. It sounds so kind of esoteric and like, well, neuroscientists know about this. I could never get a handle on it. But if you, if you tune into how you feel, you get so much data that can change your life, you know? Right. Right. Tune in and, and allow how you feel, which is right. so difficult. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, that yeah. that's really like the, when I was reading the letter, it kind of made me think about, and I, I, I know nothing about this, only the anecdotal things that I've heard but people who struggle with addiction and, um, mm -hmm. you know, how it's not, it's never over. It's never, mm -hmm. they always talk about it's day by day. It's mm -hmm. yeah. how do I feel today? How am I not going to drink today? How am I going to make good choices right. day by day? There's no like, or in the stories I've heard, some of the stories I've heard, it's not like I, I kicked it. It's over. Right. Uh, you know, it's never going to affect me again. It's, right. it's day by day. It's totally. Yep. It's and not you, a problem that gets solved. Unfortunately. And, and, totally. And having that, that, that humility around it enables you to be open to how you're experiencing. Cause you're, or to, or to what you're experiencing. Cause you're not taking it for granted. Right. You're like, okay, I, I need to, I need to be vigilant here. I need to be aware of this. I need to pay attention to how I feel. Yeah. Which can be exhausting. Like I it don't. It is exhausting, but, but you don't get to ride in the back seat of your own life. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you have to do these things. Unfortunately, we, I think most of us do. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's, I think that's kind of our work. Right. Like as, as human beings, that's part of the deal. Right. And it's, it can, you can, I promise you get to a place where you feel empowered. It just takes, it can take a very long time. Well, she's certainly doing everything yeah. right and trying everything and exploring options. And yeah. it sounds like she's open to anything and everything. Mm -hmm. And again, just going back to the idea of like, she's done tons of work to integrate, you know, childhood sexual trauma, which is a huge deal. Right. And so you should kind of pause for a minute and be proud of yourself and how far you've come and what you've already done kind of imprint that and then look at, okay, what do I want to feel that I'm not feeling? Is it peace? Is it energy? Is it whatever? And then how can I operate on every single level to try to accomplish that? What am I eating? How am I sleeping? How am I moving? What am I doing in my free time? Am I plugged into things that carry meaning for me? Right? Like 
all of these things, which again, I know like it's easy to say that and it's exhausting, especially when you're coming from a deficit, but it's possible to feel completely different. Yeah. And maybe to not feel shame about how you feel. Right. You know, I mean, she talks about not feeling shame about how her body um, handled the trauma. Right. You know, if you wake up and you feel lousy, that's okay. Right. You know, And I think I like, you know, when we talk about chemical imbalances, again, this is a place where we don't do enough, like talking about what that means and how it's changeable. Right. Did you know that you can change a chemical imbalance? Me? No. Did you know you could change it with like your nutrition or movement? No. Like this isn't, we just don't, this is this, these ideas are not out there and it's um, that, that, that needs to change so that we can be like, okay, I've got an imbalance. That doesn't mean I, I have always have, and always will have this imbalance. It means this is why I'm feeling this symptom. Right. You know? Right. And there's also the, like the genetic part of it, you know, yep. it's, it's just something that you have. It's right. not right. How, how it happened, why it happened, you know? Yep. It's just part of you. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like your, your eye color is, or your height. Right. That was helpful. I think we answered the questions. You answered the questions. I shouldn't say we. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Let us know, follow up if you have other questions or, um, you know, look into that gene testing if you can, <clears throat> but I hope this was helpful. I'm really glad. Like I said, I'm really glad you asked because we never do talk about chemicals. And part of that is because I just, this is about all I know. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot that, you know, Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff, you know, it is, it is. And I think, you know, the, the fact that we're doing like this genetic um, psychiatric stuff, genetic, uh, you know, other genetic testing where it's, it's getting out there. It's Mm -hmm. totally the world is changing a little bit, which is hopeful. Totally. And that panel, like when, you know, at the trauma conference where they were talking about how to figure out whether you've got this particular imbalance from this source or that source. I mean, these studies are like right now. Yeah. Right. Like that happened last year. So the horizon for this is really exciting because I think, you know, change, especially when it comes to the brain science is fast. So it could be that in five years we have, you know, game changing amount of knowledge about what to do and, um, what we've previously gotten wrong and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Science is cool. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Um, do you have a tiny little joy? Um, I do, I do have, well, I don't, yeah, I think so. I think it's a (laughs) tiny little joy. (laughs) I'm not sure. I think it's kind of a little bit related to what we've been talking about, but I am um, currently working in a industry and a physical location that I worked in um, (laughs) between 20 and 30 years ago. So it's really like this kind of surreal experience of like going back to a time in my life um, where nothing bad had happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, and because I'm in this environment, I'm running into good friends, really good friends from that time in my life. It's just this like, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, and emotional too. And, um, you know, I, I wonder like why this is happening and, um, you know, what's the meaning and, um, 
why am I all of a sudden back in this place that I was in when I was, you know, between 21 and 29? Um, yeah. Wow. You know, which is, which is nuts and, and a gift in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot, a couple of these running into people happened just yesterday. So it's still pretty new and fresh, but, um, I think the meaning for me is that I've always, um, kind of split my life into, um, before mom and dad died and after. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm realizing that my life is not two different books. It's one book and mm -hmm. it's, it's one story and it's, um, it's important. And it's, um, I don't know, I think I have a lot of lessons to learn in, in relation to this. And, uh, and I'm open to that. And I'm grateful that it's happening. Um, does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I love that. I, uh, I just didn't want to interrupt you that um, that's going to make me cry. I love that idea. Yeah. I I've always like had this before and after and, you know, yeah. this was who I was before and this is who I was after. And it's like, no, I, I, this is my story and this is all part, this yeah, is the same story, you know? Continuity. Yeah, totally. You know? And it's, um, that's integration. Like that's what we talk about. That's right. But then I, I, when I woke up this morning and I'm like, <laughs> this shit never ends. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, which is not a bad thing, but yeah. like, I will always be learning things about this. And, um, it, it, it's not like you, you get through something and you file it away and it's done. It's, I know. it's just always presenting itself in different ways. And, and, um, that's, that's a beautiful thing. The memory files carry the emotional content. They're supposed to. Yeah. Think about how like barren life would be if your memories didn't have emotional content. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, we, I think because we're so stoic, like we, we think if once I stop feeling this, then I'll be good, then it'll be over or something like that. And it's like, no, 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 that's not. Yeah. That's not an option, friend. Like <laughs> it's never over and it shouldn't be over. Right. You know? Right. But that's the thing. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to take this pill. I'm going to do this and yeah. then it's going to be over. No, it's not over. <laughs> right. I know. Think about how much of our lives we spend, like trying to get back to, right. Like right back to feeling a different way, back to a different location, back to, you know, it's just, yeah, it's interesting. What was happening this morning? Or you don't want to talk about it? No, I just, I like, I, I, because, because I ran into these people yesterday and I was, you know, it was on my mind. And then I, you know, I woke up this morning, I think must've been dreaming about it or something. And I just thought, you know, the lesson is that this is, this is not over and it shouldn't yeah. be over. It's yeah. just part of my story, you know? Right. 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 There's no before and after it's my life. Mm -hmm. That's such a powerful statement. I love that. Yeah. So that that's, a heavy, tiny little joy. Sorry. No, it's a huge, <laughs> tiny little joy, but this is the thing. Like, that's the thing with tiny little joys. Like the little stuff is the big stuff. Like that's the, the beauty of this. Yeah. You know, and, and focusing on the joy of that rather than the sadness, because five years ago, you might've run into those people and just felt only sadness and none of that perspective and appreciation and stuff. Right. <clears throat> that's a way of changing the way your brain is working around that thing, which, you know, that also changes your chemistry too, which is interesting. Right. Right. Yeah. I I'm, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm really grateful. Oh, that's good. Yay. Yeah. 
it's funny that, that there's this, I say this all the time. I think it, I don't even know. I don't remember when it or what it was written in, but, um, Thoreau said all we're ever really doing is circle sailing is what? Oh, sorry. Circle yeah, sailing. And I think about yeah. that all the time. It's so funny because I've been so nostalgic this week for Holy cross. Oh, really? Which is, that was my, that was my like ultimate circle sailing. Cause I went there and then 10 years later moved into the house next door to the house I lived in senior year of college and taught there. Yeah. And I, it was just, yeah, I'm just insanely nostalgic for it lately. That's funny. It was eerie. It's eerie walking back into a moment of your life that like no longer exists, but it's there, you know? Yeah. I was saying last night, I feel like I was like transported or like, you know, the like beamed somewhere else. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's all, all the feelings that come up with that are it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's emotional. Yeah, totally. I'm dying to know who you ran into, but we'll talk about that after. (laughs) Okay. Mine is like, so hilariously, um, actually related to this thing, but not, it's just, it's funny. It's, it's a lot more like superficial than yours, but I have a rowing machine. Yay. An ergata. And, um, it's been really rainy here. And like I said, you know, before, if I don't like move a certain amount, I lose my entire mind like pretty quickly. And so, um, I always have to try to find creative ways to exercise when the weather is really bad, um, which is not often, but when it is. And um, last night I was on the rowing machine. I had a crazy Mondays are like almost 11 hours of zoom and meetings and stuff like that. And so it was just like, I couldn't get outside. I was amped and I was like, okay, I'm gonna jump on the rowing machine and do a 30 minute workout or whatever. And just it's the ergata is a water rower. So it makes that noise, that swoosh. Yep. And just like literally for the 30 minutes, I think my only thought was, I love this noise. Like, oh, and just the rhythm of the, 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 it's actually a really, this is not an ad by the way, (laughs) it's going to sound like it is. It's not, it's not a sponsored thing, but, um, they have a screen it's, it's, it has a program attached to it. So it's not just the machine. I don't know how to describe this. So you, um, you do a workout. And the way, I don't know if your rowing machine is like this too, but like it, you have to meet certain goals. And so the way that it is on the screen is that like, there's this little dot and it's like moving up or down based on how fast or slow or how much power you're supposed to be using. Mm -hmm. And so you're following the little dot and doing the thing, which is how you get the interval workout or whatever you're doing, but it's just like pure I don't know. You cannot think about anything else. You can't be in your head when you're in that. And it's just like the rhythmic movement, the sound, the focus that you have to have, it feels a little bit like a game because there's like a little dot, which is totally my thing. So it occupies like your visual cortex, your entire body. And it just, it just was, I was thinking just like, I love this noise. I love this noise. I love this noise. I love this noise for 30 entire minutes, which is exactly what I needed because I was amped and had a crazy day. So 30 minutes is a long time on a rowing machine. Good for you. It is. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't like sprinting the whole 30 minutes, right? Like it's one of those endurance exercise things. So you're not going super fast. I think I only went like, like less than 5,000 meters. That's good though. That's huge. Um, the thing that I love about it is that you're only as good as your last stroke. So you have to concentrate like every minute that you're on there. Yep. Yep. And I, I always felt that way about skiing too. Like you have to always be thinking like you're in the zone. Yeah. You are totally in the zone. Yeah. You can't like, um, dial it in. Yeah. 
the concentration is, is, um, therapeutic. And it's your whole, like, I was thinking actually, because I'm a nerd, I was thinking afterwards about like the integration of it. Like, what are you doing in your daily life that requires your entire brain and body all at once? Nothing. So it was, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I just love it. Oh, good. I'm so excited to like it. Yeah, no. And I just feel super, you know, lucky to be able to have stuff like that, right. To have a life where I can have space and time and, you know, the, the capacity to work out and then have something like that in my house. Like it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a gift. Yep. Okay. Okay. Thank you for listening. Yes. Rate, review, subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) That took my entire body and mind. (laughs) That was like growing. (laughs) (laughs) And we will see you next week. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.